as we're continuing this podcast, I want to continue the conversation discussion. So check out Facebook, facebook.com slash T to kind of continue the discussions and have like a one-on-one chats around this podcast episode. Welcome. You're now listening to Just Bobby T. Everyone's having a great Black History Month. Um, this podcast is going to be a little bit different. Uh, this episode, I uh, had the opportunity to do a fire chat or almost like an interview panel discussion with the come up for Melanin Narratives 3. And essentially what this group did, it was they were able to book basically two theaters to host a private viewing of the Black Panther movie. And during this uh, process, we hosted an after party where I was able to interview four individuals and kind of get their two cents um, about what they thought about the movie, what impressions it left them, and it was like a very, very great discussion. And what you're about to hear is sort of their insights about sort of who they are and what they're doing around the community, and then also, too, just their opinions and impressions from the movie. So love to hear what you guys think. Seeing something in film, and I've studied that for a long time, I am quite glad for the conversation we're going to be having. Thank you. Hello, everybody. My name is Adama Bundu, and I'm a core member of the Come Up, which greatly organized this event, and I've just been an avid comic book nerd all my life, so finally seeing the Black Panther and all its glory in theater is exciting, even though there's kind of, sadly, they can't cross over the X-Men Marvel thing, because, you know, all you comic nerds, Storm and T'Challa. Awesome, awesome. I, I introduced myself earlier, David Shepard, MLA for Edmonton Center, and admittedly a longtime comic book geek. <laughs> I'm Minister Faust. I, many of your parents would know my work from longtime CJSR hosting of uh, the Terror Dome, Afrocentric Radio. Thank you, brother. Uh, the Phantom Pyramid, uh, an author of several novels, uh, including two set right in Edmonton's African communities. Yeah. Boom. And I currently host a podcast called MF Galaxy, which focuses on writers on writing and many Afrocentric topics, and you can get it all for free at mfgalaxy.org. Awesome, awesome. So this uh, basically panel discussion is going to be a little bit of like a fire chat. So basically we're going to have some banter back and forth, and feel free to chime in when something triggers your mojo, so to speak. And to start things off... um, could you describe, essentially, um, if one word, describe the movie? <laughs> and why you chose that word to use that? I would describe the movie historical. Um, there's something ancestral and deep within about the narrative of the story that honestly gave me chills. Um, so I, I, that's what I would describe it, historical. Awesome, awesome. Adama? Um, I would describe it as unconforming, and I think I would describe it as unconforming because it kind of breaks down different kind of intersectional oppressions within its own movies universe. So, so can you can you give us an example of? Um, I think of- a great one that they kind of added into there that isn't very outward is its feminist kind of 
portrayals of the women throughout this like story that just weave it. And they, they do it in a way that isn't overwhelming and it's not in your face like, oh, we're this great feminist film. We are breaking barriers. No, they do it in a normalized way is, is what we want at, in feminism. Just normalizing equality. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, if I have to choose one word for the villain, I would use the word thick. Because, damn, there was a lot of layers in that movie. There were so many themes, so many themes going on. They did so much with the characters, with the story, building it into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. totally. There's so much to dig into. That movie is thick. Yes. Malcolm? For me, the word is absolutely Afrocentric. Yeah. It is in love with Africa, Africans, and our histories, our civilizations, our technologies. It's an African king of an African country, leading African warriors in an African scientific economy. Yeah. African histories, whether we have been falsely separated by the Atlantic Ocean and pushing back against the lies that Africans in one part of the world are somehow mysteriously suddenly not African. You are Africans. You are all Africans. They are Africans. That's what this film tells us, and we will never forget it. Yeah. Or let anyone divide us. And I have to totally agree with that, too. And actually, starting on this side, too, Malcolm, with you again, um, which character resonated the most with you? The character that speaks the most to me because his pain is so real is that of Killmonger. There's no question that his decisions are terrible. And we can see that he chose, first of all, to murder his own girlfriend, later to harm an African elder woman. Let no one think that Killmonger's rage justifies any of his behavior, but his sense of betrayal is totally legitimate. Our goal is to learn from him that because of what he did, he shifted the foreign policy of an entire nation mm. to make Wakanda open itself up. That is our lesson, that as Africans, we must connect here and across this country and across this planet. That's, that's awesome. And then David, what was the, or which character kind of really resonated with yourself? Okay, um, I'm, I'm gonna go with the really obvious here and say T'Challa the Black Panther. <laughs> and, but I mean, for the reason that, you know, very early on in the film, he's talking to his father and he, and he says, you know, I wanna be a good king. What does it take to be a good king? And his dad said, well, it's gonna be tough for you because you're a good man. And it is hard for a good man to be king. And that's one of the struggles he has throughout the movie is try to figure out he's been given this power, this authority, and all of these systems, and he has to figure out how is he going to use them to be real and human and to do good. That's a challenge uh, I think about a lot with the role that I've been given and the opportunity I have as I get to know so many people within the black community here in Edmonton trying to figure out how do I use this opportunity I have, these systems of power that I'm now part of that is, Malcolm has noted, in some ways are not always well set up or beneficial. How do we turn that and use that for good? Wicked, wicked. And Adama, is there any particular characters that resonated? I feel like 
um, also T'Challa, but for a different reason. I feel like T'Challa, as in an adolescent coming into his own and having to come into that own through having to live up to expectations set by his family and the people around him. So as an African child, like growing into my own, it's kind of learning to be my own person, but to always hold to the lessons of my ancestors and to learn from mistakes and build upon that to become a better person. So you felt like the main character kind of did that throughout this movie? Oh, I think extremely. I think it has so many different layers of stories, but it also was a coming to coming of age story, I believe. So. Awesome, awesome. Um, personally for me, I, I disagree and agree with everyone seeing T'Challa. I believe that T'Challa's lover, Nakia, had a, such an impactful position. Um, throughout, she, was, had, she had her own destiny and she pulled through with it. Until the end, she still was able to do something with outreach and there was some key about outreaching to your people coming out of just our black community, not just staying with our community, but also reaching out to the people outside of us as well and letting them know more about you. And Naki had such a beautiful way of doing it without having to demean herself and her destiny for a man. So for me personally, I would say she was an acknowledgement of what she did. The fact that they said, you're the reason why this war was settled. She was... Oh, I can't. I can't describe. I I want to be a Nokia. <laughs> no, and that kind of like leads us to the next question. Kind of like, what were you guys' thoughts and feelings around how the roles that women played in this movie? Oh, and we'll, we'll, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> we can start off with yourself. So, what were your thoughts, sort of like, sort of the roles that women were positioned in this movie, and kind of like, how did that play out in the movie? They didn't have, there was no fear of a female being strong and masculine and powerful in any position. Um, the fact that the commander was a female and that she, as a commander, you rule armies and pretty much you're actually just as strong as the king. And um, not only just the equality of it, I think it was just nice seeing that um, them all work together. I think just seeing that as well, seeing how the women could work the same positions as males. And we know even in our traditional African culture, we still don't see that today. But seeing in Marvel, that's, mm. that's different. Totally. That, yeah. And like, I mean, the whole, the whole, I mean, his whole staff or his like, people who are protecting him were all women. They were all women. They were all women. And I think that's and a huge, that's a huge point. Yeah. Adama? Um, well, first off, I would like to think that the women were the thread that held everything together in the story. I think that in T'Challa's shortcomings and his like having to overcome things, it, he always had a woman to help him on that journey and show him where to go. And I think it's like, when we think of Africa as the motherland, I think it's to say that sometimes we don't look into villages and our communities and realize that mothers really, and the women hold our communities down, you know? And they always have that caring and nurturing nature that I think sometimes we forget to acknowledge. It's amazing to be powerful and brute, but there is, an own kind of power in being that empathetic person. And I think it's normalizing it, that it doesn't have to be just women. And I think T'Challa even transferred that. He learned to be that empathetic, empathetic person, not like his father, 
totally, you know? totally. And I'm curious, in your opinion, like which woman like had the most impact on him? On T'Challa? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I, I honestly think I would have to say There is no wrong answer. Yeah, no, I I feel like I feel like it's not one woman. I think each woman actually had their own impact. His beautiful relationship with his sister, the relationship he had with the general, with his mother, like all of those things I think have that the same power in different ways. Totally. Yeah. Totally. David? Yeah, and that's a really interesting point, actually, because as we were talking, I was sort of thinking through a few things, and I realized that there is a really interesting contrast between uh, T'Challa and Killmonger in terms of their relationships with women, their experiences with women. With T'Challa, you see, yeah, you know, his posse is, is the women. 100%. Right? They're right there at the beginning of the movie. They are there with him throughout the movie, and it is a relationship of equals. There is an ease of conversation. There's no, there's no difference between them. They, they have mutual respect. And the fact is, like you noted, you know, T'Challa grew up around strong women. They influenced and they shaped him. You look at Killmonger, and as, uh, as the minister noted earlier, right, he has a couple of fairly major misogynistic moments. He shoots his girlfriend, he attacks an elder African woman there from the tribe. And you think back to those early scenes, and they show his formative years, there are no women there. It is his father, right? And his father, his father's friend, he's playing with boys on the basketball court. There's no women there. And that's an interesting change, actually, from what's typically portrayed of black families, that being single mothers raising children. In this case, then, you had him there with the single father. But again, so you had the villain and his issues with women, around no women. T'Challa, a well-formed character who grew up around strong women, partners with strong women. Awesome, awesome. And Malcolm, what were your thoughts around that? One of the things I loved about the script was that the women got to be multifaceted. So it's very easy to write cardboard cutouts where all the women would be perfect, but they weren't perfect. I mean, the queen mother backed her own husband's terrible mistake, and the general, Okoye, she was more interested in preserving order than she was in preserving justice. Nakia, what an outstanding hero, because her very first appearance in the film is although it's not stated as such, she is rescuing girls who've been kidnapped by Boko Haram. Mm. And what a timely, important story. So the film uses her as an example of, it is justice, but it is through compassion. It was, you know, uh, T'Challa's best friend who said, let's go, let's go impose order on the world, and Kilgore, sorry, Killmonger, who wanted simply, he wanted vengeance, he did, and he would, he would kill everyone. We knew that he was gonna go after M'Baku, he started by killing the people of Wakanda. So there was no end for somebody like that. So Nakia, she is the one who ultimately convinces the king, open your heart to this world, and that will lift us all up. She's my hero. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So um, kind of like changing up the pace a little bit, um, what was your, like, the, what was the number one scene that kind of like stood out for you or was your favorite scene in the movie? Yes, and starting with you, Malcolm. Well, um, I love any scenes in general that deal with spiritual or religious experience. And seeing, although it was exciting to see T'Challa move into the spirit world, it was seeing Killmonger go to the land of the ancestors, except for him, it's Oakland. And to see him communicate with his father and 
As I read, I didn't catch it the first time I saw the film, but as somebody noted online, you remember the beginning of the movie, somebody's telling the origin story of Wakandan Ooh. civilization? That is the uncle talking to the son, Killmonger, you know, when, he, when the kid is a, when he's a child. So it's that beautiful connection, and you realize that even though his father had gone wrong, he loved his son so much, that to me was really profound. T'Challa had his father his whole life, but Killmonger didn't. Awesome, awesome. And then I gotta David? think on this. I gotta think on this. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll skip to Adama then. Over to Adama. Um, so favorite scene in the movie, or what just stood out, or what comes to mind as like a powerful scene? Um, I feel like the ending scene where there's all these children coming around the ship, but then there's that one child who kind of strays off, and instead of like coming and saying like like little jokes like, oh my gosh, I wonder how much we could sell these for, but instead asking if that was, is that your ship? And kind of that awe in his, in his eyes as if seeing that someone like that can have something like this and that could also be me. So it's kind of like reflecting us watching that movie, like someone like us could aspire and have role models like that and we can be that kind of person in our lives kind of like mimicking, like I was that child talking to T'Challa saying, is that your ship? But it's me watching that movie and saying, that can be us. Totally, and that's powerful, so powerful. And then what were your thoughts about the last, um, so what scene kind of stood out the most? I would say it's when Killmonger was, he had a chance to see um, Wakanda um, and its beauty. Uh, and the, the, the agriculture and the, how majestical it is. And what he said that really struck me the most was that when um, T'Challa offered to heal him, he said, don't heal me, I don't want to be captured. I don't want to be uh, chained again. And that choice that he made was breaking the chain, breaking the connection of that. Um, though you might want to stand up and speak out for your rights and speak out for your opinions, sometimes you get, you get, I guess, I get captured into the limitations of someone else who's above you. And for him, he noticed that, and instead he took this one moment to have that last piece of freedom to see the land in which is fruitful. And it was something amazing. It was like an Adam and Eve moment of like seeing the Garden of Eden. And he took the fruit, he ate it, and he knew he was gonna fall, and he was okay with that, yeah. Totally, and that was such a powerful way to kind of wrap everything up. And I hope everyone here saw the movie, because all spoilers, yeah. all spoilers. <laughs> yeah. A little late, brother. Yeah, yeah. a little late. Okay. A little, and okay. David? Okay, I got, I got it. Favorite got scene? It. So, my favorite scene in that movie is probably when T'Challa's arrived home and he's going to be, you know, crowned as the king. And he comes and he kneels down there in the water and they scroll up and they show just that incredible, diverse range of Africanness standing there, you know, and, and, and you've got the music and the people are moving and it's just, it's an incredible display of diversity, right? I mean, how many people talk about Africa like it's one country and one people? It's, it's amazing to see that full range of African culture and expression and beauty all gathered in one place in a moment of celebration. That for me was a really powerful scene. Wicked, wicked. And then, starting with you again, um, David, what were your thoughts about kind of the Wakanda nation? 
what like what what do you think kind of like really resonate or what did you like most about that nation as a whole hmm Well, I, what I, guess, I guess one of the things I really liked about the representation of Wakanda and what they had going is they knew who they were. It was, it was there in every part of the culture that we saw there on the screen. Yep. In the way they built their buildings and developed their technology, in the way they expressed themselves, they knew who they were as a people. They knew their roots, and they incorporated that everywhere. You know, uh, when we were talking the other day, the minister noted that even in the medical bay, there is art on the wall, yeah. right? So they are, they are a culture that has embraced fully who they are as a culture and expresses it in all parts of their being. And then taking away sort of all of like the technology and flashiness of it all, how could we sort of do that here in our communities? Back at you again. Well, I think one of the important things, if you want to express who you are, you have to know who you are. And so, you know, one of the things I had the opportunity to do in the last couple of years is I sat down with my dad in a digital recorder and because I realized I had never sat down and really gotten my dad's whole life story. And so over a course of, you know, three or four different visits, I got him to tell me all about growing up in Trinidad. What was it like when he first came here to Canada? What were those experiences? And recording that not only for myself, but for the rest of my family, for my nieces and nephews, some of whom were here with me tonight. And you have to know who you are. You have to know your roots to be able to celebrate them and be able to build on them in your life. So I think there's, I've met a number of people here in the Edmonton community who have been doing an amazing job of that in many respects, you know, preserving their community, researching the uh, history of the black community here in the province of Alberta, and sharing that out, and then that's something that we can know and build. Awesome, awesome to hear. And then Malcolm, um, sort of the same question, what sort of like resonated, or what did you like most about the Wakanan Nation? Two things. Uh, the first is that the women are powerful and brilliant. And Malcolm X remarked as long ago as 1964 that in his travels through the African continent and West Asia, that wherever he found that women were uneducated and had no freedom, that is to say that men took their freedom, the country was backward. But wherever women were free because men had stopped oppressing them or oppressed them less, and where they were educated, that was a progressive, forward-moving country. So that is something we must never forget because half of us are women. So what leader in his right mind would take away half his troops, half his scientists, half his engineers, half his brilliant thinkers and geniuses? I mean, that's foolishness. So of course, that's the best thing. But you know, the technology, so many of us, because we were raised here and educated here, and all we get through media and education, and I was a teacher in this system for 10 years, is images of Africanness that are associated with backwardness. And that is one of the reasons why so many people reject the word Africa and could go a whole lifetime. I mean, they'll use colored people, people of color, they'll use the N-word, they'll say blackness, they'll say everything imaginable except Africa. They'll fight you for saying Africa, but when you learn the true Africa and you see the technology of all the anima digital animation studios in Kenya, the space program of Nigeria, the observatories that are in Ethiopia, when you see all of this phenomenal development, that one of the, the most brilliant men on earth today is Mo Ibrahim, the Sudanese telecom pioneer, who 20 more, more than 20 years ago said, I'm not gonna build landlines across the continent, I'm gonna build cell phone towers 
And everybody, investors said, no, no, you're crazy. We won't, we won't uh, invest with you. He said, I'm going to do it anyway. And so he took the continent from 2 million SIM cards to a place where, because of competitors, there were 120 million SIM cards, and now there's close to 1 billion SIM cards in, in activation on the continent. And that has led to massive economic growth. He sold his company for $3.4 billion, and the result was he established the Mo Ibrahim Foundation, which moves democracy forward, trade, technology, and everything else. In other words, don't just look for Wakanda in the pages of a comic book. I want all of you tonight to go discover the real Wakanda, which is what real African geniuses are doing every day. True that. And then Adama, what did you kind of think of, the, what, what kind of resonated with you in terms of the nation and what stood out to you? What resonated with me most, I think, I think what he was kind of like talking about with the women, especially because me being a woman and it was just seeing this whole equality and normalization of traits that are positive, that we have spun to be negative just because they're generically feminine. Like the empathy that was just grown and the inclusion and consensus, all these different ways to solve solutions other than just war and fighting. And I think that is what I think a great nation is. Some, a nation that can come and discuss instead of fight for right answers, that can love and try to find ways to heal people even though they can be a threat to your country because that is the better thing to do, to show compassion and, and instead of fearing what's unknown. Totally. And then last but not least, um, what were your kind of thoughts on the Wakanda Nation and sort of what resonated or what stood out most from the movie? For me, what resonated the most was that they really tried to detach how the throne did not make the king, how the throne did not make the nation, how it's the people that made the nation, how it's the people that made the culture, and it's the people that can make a change. And that, to me, is what resonated the most throughout the movie. Yeah. Wicked. So we're going to be kind of just wrapping things up and just wanted to kind of hear guys' like final thoughts on the movie and sort of... Like, what's next? So st <laughs> um, I'm, I'm definitely going to buy the DVD if there's one. I know people don't use DVD anymore, but I want a hand copy of it. I want it in my hand. Uh, I love Marvel. I love DC. No confliction there, but I love them both. And for me, a uh, narrative of just not just because it's black, but it's the culture that's so rich that we don't get to see often. And a lot, a lot of people here aren't all black, and that they came here to see something different. And I think that, to me, is what I love the most about being able to see Black Panther. Um, what I, my final thoughts from this is, not only does it show a rich history, but it shows a rich potential. It shows that you can still have all these traditional values, but come and adapt it and mold it into a progressive like, state where everyone can thrive, where everyone can be included without having to throw away that tradition. And I think that's like what I think we should look forward to, understanding our past in order to shape a better future. Yeah. Totally, that's an awesome point. 
David? You know, uh, one of the things I really loved about the movie is that they chose to make it complex and they chose to make it difficult. It would have been really easy for them to take that film and just use someone like Ulysses Claw as the big evil white colonial villain and made it a very cartoonish or very cliche kind of piece, but they didn't do that. They created this, 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 they took the character of Killmonger and, and the minister described it really well. The challenge and the conflict that was there and really brought it back. And rather than letting it become a movie about a black hero and a white villain, they made it a movie that stayed entirely about the black community. About Africans, talking with Africans about the best way to move Africans forward in a challenging world. And so I think that's one of the best things I'm going to take away from it is that we need to continue to be open to discussion. We need to be continue to be open to criticism and people who are willing to challenge us on decisions that we make so that we can make better decisions as a community for our community. And Malcolm? To me, the most important takeaway from this beautiful, gorgeous, inspiring movie that, you know, People like me and my brother Darren over here and many of us in this room waited our whole lives to see something like this and never dreamed that something like this could ever exist. I mean, those of us in our age group, we remember Superman 3 with Richard Pryor. That was a superhero movie with a brother in it and it was garbage or coming to America, right? So with an African king, right? So this is the kind of awfulness that we had to deal with. But now we've got something like this. And so what I say to everybody is this. Look, Marvel's gonna make a ton of money. I'm glad that you paid for your tickets because that proves to Hollywood, just like with Get Out, that they should finance our movies because we're going to make a lot of money. But it's also absolutely necessary that you find, pay for, and promote work by African artists from around the world yourselves that don't have the backing of Hollywood. So, and I'm not just talking about uh, my novels that are set in Edmonton. But there's a sister here, A.C. Clark, whose novels uh, that you should check out. There's magnificent painters like my sister right here. Please wave, Sister Elsa. Okay, there's so many people. Poets like Shima, where's my sister? Okay, there's so many people here. And of course, Brother Darren, who is not just an artist, but is also a convener of artists. So put your hand up, brother. Come on, put it up. So when treasure is there and you don't discover it and share it, it's as if it doesn't exist. You have the power with your dollars and with your promotion through the internet and talking to people to make careers and to lift up our own artists. So many of us, we dwell in obscurity, but with you and all of us united, we will all move forward so that Wakanda is not just a fictional notion, but it is how we live our lives. Mm. That's a powerful point to end everything off on. So no, just want to thank all of you guys for having this discussion. Um, once again, I implore everyone to like, I mean, follow heed of this discussion and keep it going. Um, there's so much going on in our local community in terms of events like this, in terms of community groups like the Come Up. So you know, it's on us to kind of take control and be a part of supporting local artists from across the board, or even to just being part of the um, conversation. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Getting 360 with Just Bobby T you are on Facebook Live, I would really appreciate if you hit that share button. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, I would love it and appreciate it and would have so much respect if you could leave a rating. So many more podcasts to come and I appreciate you.
guys listening. Peace.